This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Now to Lab Scam. Has your view of former Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould changed? Many people are now saying it has. On Friday, the Justice Committee, excuse me, the Justice Committee released the tape of the conversation that she recorded with Privy Council Clerk Michael Wernick without his knowledge. Now, she acknowledged that this was inappropriate, or at least it would have been inappropriate in other circumstances. Actually, what she says was that she was in Vancouver and she didn't have anyone to take notes, so she recorded this without telling him. Now, she warned him very clearly that she believed the prime minister was or was on the verge of politically interfering with the justice system. And this was a very serious thing. Now, I have to say one thing that I got from that. It sounded a little bit scripted. It sounded like she really wanted to get that on tape. In the meantime, some liberals are publicly saying that they want her out of caucus. They are not comfortable with having her there. One of the people who said that on the record, Patty Haidu, the Minister of Employment, uh, but uh, Judy Scrow has said that. So it looks like she is, I don't know, there's a caucus meeting on Wednesday. Don't know what's going to happen there. But I'm curious to hear from people because mostly what we've been hearing here uh, are a lot of support for her. And uh, maybe that's still the case, but I'm curious whether this changes anything. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-744-740. And right now we are going to Tom Parkin, who is a political strategist, uh, NDP leaning, and John Mikatishan, the president of Bradgate Research Group. Welcome to you both. Hi. Hi there. Good afternoon. Okay, Tom, let's start with you. Does this change anything for you, this development? It, the um, the development really solidified some of the testimony that she gave before, because you heard the full context, or you, and there were also parts, important parts that were read. It also added uh, some new information that we did not know before, and uh, that's kind of interesting. One of the things that is being, I think, a little bit overlooked in this, Libby, is that the the, the concern in all of this is that the prime minister was trying to get his way uh, on a prosecution uh, to to push over the director of prosecutions, to push over the attorney general to get SNC a deal, which neither one of them thought was legally appropriate. So this is a question about not just his motivation, but also whether, in fact, he fired the attorney general to get her out of the way. So an important part of the story was that uh, not much played, but I want to raise it, is that um, Julie Wilson-Raybould said in her brief that was uh, posted on Friday that she long ago told Gerald Butts that she could never, it would never be possible for her to serve as the Minister of Indigenous Services. 
which is exactly the ministry that uh, the prime minister offered to her uh, to rem- as as a, you know as a switch for, as a removal as a way of removing her from attorney general. Mr. Butts, you'll remember in his testimony said, "I made a mistake. I should have known." But Ms. Wilson Raybould's testimony is he did know. Uh, and so, therefore, this starts to look a little bit like uh, Mr. Butts' story about the cabinet shuffle, the demotion, the removal of the attorney general. Uh, certainly, is suspicious. And then, if we accept, accept her interpretation, or her, uh, as true that she long ago told him she could never accept such an offer, then that offer from the prime minister was absolutely made in bad faith. So it, now, so there's this piece, and there's other little pieces that were in um, in in the tape and in the written testimony that I think go beyond what we knew uh, ever before that begin to and now continue to erode the story that Mr. Butts and Mr. Warnick have told us uh, and continue to raise these problems about whether Mr. Trudeau was just so hell-bent to get what the SNC-Lavalin wanted that he was willing to um, intervene in the prosecution, which of course is entirely appropriate, and to get to the end zone, uh, he removed uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould and okay. put in a, okay. a new Attorney General. Let's bring in John McCutition. John, does this change anything for you? Uh, well, it solidifies, and it's like like real evidence as to how uh, this collection of men um, were just completely. I mean, you listen to the to the audio recording, and you get how the top bureaucrat in the government of Canada is completely beside himself in not having the minister capitulate to the to the will of the prime minister, and. You know, when she go when she goes on to say that the conversation itself is uh, she's not comfortable with it and she thinks it's gone beyond the borders of what's appropriate. Uh, he doubles down and decides to go the route of, well, uh, you know, maybe you don't understand. Maybe you'd understand what I'm talking about. So it's there, there's uh, I'm just actually shocked at, uh, you know, how clear it is that they weren't taking no for an answer. And they were beside themselves that they were trying to put all this pressure on her. And they couldn't believe that she didn't capitulate. Okay, hang on. I want to bring in David Ball, and he is a reporter for the Star Metro in Vancouver. And he just had an exclusive interview with Jody Wilson-Raybould. So uh, first of all, congratulations. That's quite the scoop. But uh, what was your impression of her and how she's handling this whole thing? Uh, well, it was in the context of uh, her own First Nation uh, near Campbell River through her feast at an honoring uh, big house ceremony. And so she was. She told me she was feeling very grounded as a result of that experience and also that she um, has a lot more to tell, as she said before, but she's absolutely ready to do that now. Um, she felt like the kind of going back to her community where she obviously wasn't facing a lot of the hard criticism that she's been facing over things like the recording and and her handling of this. She was just among supporters. So I think it really made her feel emboldened and grounded in her kind of traditions and and culture. But uh, she basically said she had no regrets about what she did as Attorney General and also that she she basically plans to continue speaking, quote, her truth as long as she's allowed to. Did you get any sense of what this new other information that she wants to talk about would be? I mean, it it was after she was uh, moved or shuffled in cabinet. Uh, Not at all. Um, for all the criticism she's been getting about uh, breaching cabinet 
solidarity, um, which is sort of the unity of their decisions as an executive of our government, um, she would not go anywhere near the question of cabinet confidence, which is the sort of secrecy of those decisions. So all she wanted to talk to me about is that she did have more to say, that she was absolutely ready, why she was back home, but uh, unfortunately uh, was unable to go to the place of what's next, what she has to say, which I think we all need to know. Did you get any sense? Did you ask her uh, how she felt about the possibility of being kicked out of caucus? Uh, no, but she's still committed to running with the Liberals. Um, so I don't, I think that she would like to avoid that is my impression. She's, for all the harm that she's done to Trudeau, I don't think her beef is at all with the Liberals. Um, when she kind of got involved and ran for them back in 2015 and, and kind of chaired their conference in 2014, she, uh, she interviewed me then and I was, I asked her, you know, why are you doing this? And she said she had conditions like, uh, their criticism of their past Indigenous policies. Uh, she's always been critical of the Indian Act. You guys just talked about the shuffle to Indigenous services and why she couldn't do that. So my impression is very much that uh, that she doesn't have a beef with the party, um, but is also unwilling to kind of toe the line uh, on something that she feels was quite wrong. And uh, another question, David Ball, and that is uh, some commentators have said this is a coup d'etat. Clearly, she wants to get rid of Justin Trudeau. Did you get any sense of that? No, not at all. I, I She wasn't able to wade into the political details, unfortunately, so only so much we can sort of discern from the tea leaves. But, uh, you know, the mood of the place with like about five or six hundred supporters and kind of her conversations around the table, um, the general mood that people were saying was, you know, why is Trudeau being so stupid? He just needs to apologize. Like the beef isn't with him. <laughs> so there, there was a sense of the tactical errors that uh, Gerald Butts uh, admitted to uh, maybe extending a bit higher here. And uh, so I, I didn't get the sense that the mood in the room was anti-liberal by any stretch. Okay. Uh, John McCutition, do you have any sense of public opinion changing a bit on this? Uh, it is, and it's uh, this is uh, kind of bizarre because this is an issue that's been going on for weeks and weeks now. I mean, it's akin to uh, having a bad story in August when there's no news at all. Uh, so the fact that this has stayed in the forefront, and, 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 and you know, I think it's an example of, um, it's probably the worst communications crisis situation that the Prime Minister has had, right? If he would have got out in front of this, and I, I don't mean the not pressuring his minister to do what he wanted. But once that wasn't happening, once once the resignation happened, uh, they should have moved quickly to stem this and try to make it a one or a two-day story. And I think that was in part what the butt's resignation was about. But, you know, the, the, the rule in all this stuff is you get out there and you tell the whole story. You don't give it a little bit. You don't give it dribs and drabs. You don't give the media another place to come to. I mean, she's been saying now, for well, since she gave her testimony, that she's prepared to give more. And the Liberals are saying, well, we're totally supportive of that, except they get in the way of her doing that. So their disingenuousness is coming through in technicolor, and it's giving people, and the you know Tim Hortons, something to talk about every day because not a lot else is happening. Certainly not the the Leafs or the Blue Jays this year. Okay, well we we have a carbon tax too. Let's take a call from Sandra in Toronto. Hi, Sandra. Hello, 
Libby. How how are you? Sorry. I'm fine. You're on the air. Go ahead. Uh, yes, you put the question out there uh, whether or not someone's opinion has changed of JWR since the uh, recorded message or phone call came out. And my opinion of her has definitely changed. It's actually become stronger. Prior to this, I, I uh, actually uh, admired her for coming out and just speaking her truth. Uh, she was there in the center of all these um, uh, white males. That, that's what they were. She was at the end of the table, and all the other room was filled with white males, and she was telling her truth. The fact that she uh, had to uh, uh, tape uh, uh, Michael, that just goes without saying, coming uh, from an Indigenous perspective. We don't have an equal playing field. But if we look past that, even though she's she's a, you know she's going against the grain by every standard, but still talking her truth, she's done it for the greater good of Canadians. I mean, people need to see past that. I mean, my uh, admiration from her has grown. Uh, obviously, I don't have her on a pedestal. I mean, like you know, that's just against our culture. We don't put people on pedestals. But I just replay in my mind too. I mean, the fact that Trudeau calls himself a feminist. I mean, and he uh, didn't even give her the time of day. I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but what she's done up to this point, I, I admire her for it. Okay, thank you for that, Sandra. Thank- Tom Parkin, you were mentioning this new information that uh, that the offer to Jody Wilson-Raybould for Indigenous services was not a mistake, but deliberate, but two things. Uh, first of all, she then got Veterans Affairs, which she accepted. And, uh, you know, cabinet positions are at the pleasure of the Prime Minister. They they are at the pleasure of the Prime Minister, but the distinction with, the, with respect to the Attorney General is that if her removal was, uh, the, uh, was coming through on a threat, uh, then it, it takes on a whole different, uh, whole different color especially if that removal was in order to gain access to the levers of power over the prosecution. Because, remember, the prosecution's office has been set up about 10 years ago, and to give some uh, credit, it was uh, Mr. McIntyre's conservative government who did that. Who did that is a long-standing principle, but it was done then in law to set the prosecution office up as an independent agency. And one of the other pieces that we saw in... Um, Ms. Wilson-Raybould's brief that was filed on Friday, or that was revealed to us on Friday, was a letter from her to the Prime Minister uh, the Friday before the uh, Wednesday phone call that we we heard the tape of. And in that letter, she is incredibly explicit about exactly this point, uh, which blows away this whole thing like he didn't know or anything like this. She's incredibly explicit that she will take no action to interfere with a prosecution, that prosecutions are done by prosecutors based on the law, the evidence, and the, the research and investigation done by the police. Politicians have no place there. This is supposed to be a fundamental principle of our country. It's not a principle about New Democrats, liberals, and conservatives. It's supposed to be a Canadian principle. Yet, she has to express this to him in this letter, and only days later, she gets the call from Warnock that we can all listen to, who says things like, you know, you are now at loggerheads with the Prime Minister. Uh, there's a collision about to happen. 
He's pretty firm on this. I have to report back to the prime minister before he goes on vacation. And, and she knew this. She said, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Exactly. And, and Warnick tells her, you know, the, the prime minister is going to get, uh, I think the words are, he's going to find a way to get it done one way or another. And then she gets torched. You know, and, and all the way through, she's saying, listen, you know, the way I see it is like this is a lawyer trying to advise her client, um, you know, to, to not do dumb things. Okay, not John. Not do illegal things. And, he, and Mr. Trudeau, Mr. Warnick just would, would not take good legal advice. And this is why they're in a jam. John McEtition. Can I jump in here from Vancouver? Uh, sorry? Can I jump in from Vancouver here? I have a, sure. a direct response to that. I was just re-listening to the tape. She actually said that she was willing to have a judge like Beverly McLaughlin weigh in on the thing, but and that she was just trying to protect Trudeau. So those things really stand out to me. She didn't refuse the prime minister. What the prime minister claims was his only request, which is to have another person look at it. That, that is an interesting point. Now, if you, I read it. I took that one a little differently because Warnick was saying, "Let's get Beverly McLaughlin, the retired Supreme Court justice, to weigh in on this and get a an additional opinion." And and I saw her as a little bit calling his bluff, like, you know, you want me to call her right now? I'll call her right now and tell her what you guys are up to. And she will be she will be stunned at what the mm-hmm. game you guys are playing. That's the way I kind of saw that as a as a as calling his bluff about this entire idea. Like nobody in the legal world would accept what you guys are doing. OK, let's uh hear from Mike in Mississauga. Hi, Mike. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, uh, Jody Wilson-Rayborn, she's a scorned, selfish rat. Who would hire her now? I mean, who would, who would take the chance of even talking to her on the phone? I don't understand, though. When I call, for example, any, any large corporation customer service or I call my bank, there's always a disclaimer saying that this phone call may be recorded for, for training purposes. So why am I always warned and yet in Ontario, you know, you can tape record somebody's phone call. No, no, you, no, 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 no. Uh, there, there is certain. I mean, say if you're media, you cannot tape a call without telling somebody. And I was actually wondering about this. I mean, she said herself it was inappropriate. I don't know if it was illegal in that circumstance, but for businesses, they have to tell you. Uh, but Mike, thanks for your call. I get that uh, for you, things have changed because of, or maybe. Uh, you always didn't like her, but because of the recording. And John McEtition, I want to get to what's coming next. Uh, do you think, is it your prediction that she gets expelled from caucus? And does that make things better or worse for the Liberals? Uh, I mean, here's the problem. Uh, Trudeau has left this so long and so mishandled it that now if he does what I think everybody who has political instincts would have understood way back when, when she quit cabinet or within a week, if he would have bounced her from caucus, everybody would have understood that. For him to do it now, uh, he's, like I say, he's damned if he does, he's damned if he doesn't. Uh, if he knocks her out, not only does it create a, a firestorm, but then she can say whatever she wants because there's no party discipline whatsoever in any way conceivable. Um, so I don't, you know, he, he's stuck. And by the same token, uh, what kind of leader is he for every liberal out there? I mean, you listen, I'm not sure the partisan affiliation of the gentleman who was just on air, but certainly if he's not a liberal, I would bet that that's the, uh, the thought of the average rank and file liberal party member. So he, he's 
he's stuck now, and uh, I don't think there's a, a good ending. It's just a question of how long does this go on, and I'm going to suggest the election's already started. This is the number one issue, and uh, it's going to continue until after the election. David Ball, would you agree with that? I think so. There is a path out, I think, for Trudeau, but um, he so far hasn't uh, been willing to take a, the sort of more contrite uh, and apologetic step here. Um, but I do think that, uh, you know, they are hurting in the polls. Uh, even Jagmeet Singh, according to Angus Reid Institute, is ahead in approval ratings of Trudeau. Uh, considering his struggles, I think that should be pretty worrying. But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't also throw out the idea that there may be some quiet supporters inside the Liberal caucus who, uh, who, who may be quite upset about this. And there's a few that we, who are, you know, quite prominent and popular who have said very little. Um, about uh, about this affair, we've had a lot of outspoken ones uh, kind of tweeting and making uh, sort of smears on her. But I wouldn't count out that there being a very quiet uh, pressure inside. The question is: Is Trudeau going to listen to his uh, best advisors, or is he going to listen to sort of the insider club? And John McEtishan, do you think it's possible that he is just basically having the caucus do his dirty work for him, so he can shrug his shoulders and say it was a caucus decision? Well, yeah, except the question is how gullible is the media and how uh, unknowledgeable is the Canadian electorate, right? I mean, that's where we are right now. The, the fact that, uh, you know, the, the Justice Committee uh, put the bar on the door and said she couldn't come back and she couldn't testify, uh, they seem to get away with that. There's no huge outpouring of condemnation. So I think there's quite a bit, actually. Well, well, see, that's the thing, right? Is it or isn't it? It becomes a question of your perspective. So I think that's where it's almost anything that Trudeau does now. It's it's less than a half measure. It's not genuine. And the opposition parties have all the have everything they need. I mean, unless Jody's got a video now to go with their audio. I mean, the conservatives should save every dollar on advertising and make sure that a copy of that uh, audio track is heard by every voter that's thinking of voting liberal. And if they do that, they've won a majority government. A majority government. Okay, I don't know about that. Okay, uh, we are basically out of time on this. So I would like to thank you all, Tom Parkin, John McEtishan, and David Ball in Vancouver. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.